and release the children. Then <laughs> there's a song going with that. Um, there's some seats open here at the front. I see there's people that want to come and sit here at the front. There's some, some space open. Cool, so um, for those who don't know me, my name is Jacques. I'm one of the elders here uh, with uh, Matthew, Nita, but Adam and Lisa is not here, and Pastor Debbie and Renel. They're also office weekend. Um, so my message today, I'm just going to stand like this, is navigating rival kingdoms. I've tried to to be fancy and uh, have a subheading as well. Um, you are what you love and benefit a subheading. How our daily habits and decisions portray our desires. And basically, Matthew summarized the sermon with his word earlier. So if you don't get anything of what I said, you can just refer back to, to Matthew's word um, earlier during worship. And it just speaks to that Jesus is basically the only one that we can worship. Find you of um, But before I start, I would just like to do a disclaimer or two. The first one, maybe if we play the truth and lie game, I am perfect, truth or lie. Okay, not so loud, but yes, that's true. So I'm not perfect, like Angus Buffin says, I'm one beggar showing another beggar where to find food. And that's, when I speak what I'm going to speak about, I'm not speaking it from a place of knowing everything, having conquered all of us. Um, um, I'm at the same place that you are. And then the second thing is we've been doing the, the unpacking the gospel series. I don't know if everyone has been staying on track of that, but if you miss some of them, definitely do go and watch it on, on YouTube or the different platforms where, where Matthew and Debbie unpacked that. But I think we cannot really approach this topic if we do not start with, start with that as a base and just some scriptures that I don't have on the slides it's just the Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10 that says for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of work so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them so we do not get saved by works. We're saved by grace. But once we're saved, there's works that God has prepared that we should walk in them. It's important to get those two right. We can't try and come to God with works, what we've tried to do right, because that's not how it works. But once we're saved by grace, then there's work that He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Um, and then also... If we try to come with our works to God, it's an abomination to Him. Think rotten meat for weeks. His Son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross God, so that we don't have to come and try to come with our works before Him. It's not a, 
it's, it's something we need to understand that it, it's the base of with which we come to. Mm. So, if we go to the next slide, I would like us to start with praying together. And I want us to pray the Our Father together out, out loud as we sit. And maybe let's close our eyes while we do that. And the reason for us coming here together this morning is because we're seeking God's kingdom in our lives. We're not here on our own mandate to do our own thing, to feel better. This is unfortunately not going to be a feel better sermon. So if you want to leave now, then now is a good time. The other thing is, maybe I'll share things that once you've heard them, you'll be held accountable for it for eternity. So if you're not ready for that, then now is also maybe a time to then... To stand up and go, I mean, and no judgment there. But um, so with that, let's pray the Our Father. We're trusting while we're praying that we're saying, God, let your kingdom come in my heart here on earth as it is in heaven. So let's close our eyes and we're going to flight the scriptures so we can all pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our debt, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And we're going to pray that at the end as well, as we trust that God through the Holy Spirit comes and makes reality in our hearts so that when we wake up in the morning, that's for one thing, seeking God's kingdom through everything. And it's not only coming to church, it's not the only platform for in terms of seeking God's kingdom, but we know that. So if we go to the next slide, um, I want us to start with a discussion. We didn't have a discussion this morning. So the first question I want you to discuss with someone next to you if we go to that slide is describe the, the follow describe the next five to ten years in and you can use the following as unpack it in the next five to ten years describe to the person what do you want to be what do you want to do and what would you want so it's almost like looking at yourself in five or ten years time describe what is your reality at that stage um, what do you want to be in five to ten years time what do you want to do in five to ten years time and what do you would you want in five to ten years time what is your desire or hope for that so maybe i'm going to give you one minute maybe one minute each or two minutes just to discuss that if you let's take let's take 15 seconds and think about that i know it's a it's a deep one um so yeah 10 second starts now, so we can just think a little bit.
best place to stay. All of that is different turnoffs, but we continually, and a lot of us are in that place of making that. But what is the thing that's going to determine whether it's a good choice or not, whether it's going to lead you to your end destination, and what is the end destination anyway? What do, what's the determining factor? Um, and the great thing is, once the GPS is set, you don't have to worry about in what I you don't have to try and continually figure out, are we on the right road? Because the GPS in that sense give you, gives you that assurance that you're on the right direction. You can relax, get a coffee if you do that, chat, listen to music. I mean, you can enjoy the ride. But if you're not sure in what direction you are going or where you can trust the GPS, then there's going to be this unrestlessness the whole time. Because am I making the right decision? Where am I going? Is it going to work out fine? Mm. Um, and which turn off will you take? And sometimes in life we have this unconscious um, destinations that we are, are looking at, that we that we want to arrive at. And when in our discussions earlier, it, I think to, the, the idea here would be to think of what you said and compare it with what we'll be discussing. But to think, what is it, where do you want to arrive? And is, were you conscious of the fact that that's actually what you're saying, where you want to arrive and go for? Um, I think the next is just a picture of an oasis in the desert. Now the best would have been if I just had a picture of just the desert. And you think you're in the desert, but this is where you want to get to. And then the next slide is a mirage. Uh, it looks like that could be the pool of water there in the distance. And you would travel quite a bit to get there. Let's say eight hours. But the thing is with a mirage, it's, it's, not, a, it's not real. So by the time you'll get there, you'll realize that there's no water. Um, this has been a chasing after wind. And sometimes our lives, we might have these oasis in our minds that we're pursuing, knowingly, unknowingly, um, that informs our decision making. And it's like a mirage that we're chasing almost and hoping that it, that it works out well. Um, then there's another picture. And another picture of that. And if we go on, that's how Proverbs 14 speaks about that. That there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And sometimes we can have these ladders that we're climbing, but some ladders just stop mid-air. So you'll be throwing your life into this, pursuing it, but somewhere you might realize that this wasn't the ladder you really wanted to be on. And that speaks to the desires that we have in our, can have in our hearts. And there is desires, and if we look at some of them that I've listed, they're just general ones that could apply to, to um, our subculture in that sense. It's just the desire for success. I mean, all of us want to be successful. It is a desire providing for our children, having a safe life for them, having education for them. How are we going to position our lives so that our children is in a good place when they grow up? All of that. A desire for a nice home with a garden. I mean, who doesn't want that? I mean, it's amazing. Imagine the green grass. Can you see the green grass? Can you see the big tree in the back where the children can play? I mean, that's amazing. What else? 
a dog, a Labrador. Yeah? Maybe two Labradors, maybe three, but, but runs around in this big yard. Um, maybe a, a vegetable garden, all of those things. I mean, it sounds amazing and it's, it's not obviously bad things, but that's desires that in the back of our mind we can get. I mean, a husband and wife, we, that's, that's a, a, a good desire to have an idea of, we all, a lot of us would want to, to, to find that person that we can spend the rest of our life with. Uh, husband or wife, a desire to have a career that is respectable. I mean, you've been studying hard, working hard, you would want something that shows respect all the time that you, and effort you put in. If other people looked at you, you would want them to almost nod with respect. Um, wow, they've, they've really made it. I mean, you can put cars in there, and then you can even put doing good things in there. Um, different type of relief work and things and then becoming financially independent. I mean, who doesn't want to become financially independent by 45 and then you can do what you want. You have your big house with the dogs running around and all of that. And the thing is, those things aren't bad. We go to the next slide. But we need to realize that they tug at our hearts. They become desires that can unsubconsciously influence our decision making and Christ almost becomes an add-on in that scenario. I mean it's important to go to church, it's important to serve Christ, I still want to I mean be a good person, read my Bible and all of that but hey there's some real responsibilities and things I have to look after and, and the, the list obviously goes on and the, the idea here is that oh, this is a book that I'm reading so that's why there's fancy words in there, but I'll read it for you. Our heart is the existential chamber of our loves, our desires. So our heart then represents the place where we keep these desires. Now, many times, and we focus on renewing the mind, and we, we, we take that scriptures, um, and it's, we, we get it into our heads, we have the principles, we know what the truth is, but sometimes there's a gap between what we know and what we do and what we live out. Yeah. And what's the why? Why is that? Why isn't it just a case of we can go to Bible school and that just sorts everything out from there on? Um, why can we find ourselves in a place of knowing what to do but not doing it? The thing is, it's our desires. It's what's really in our heart, and it's our lust that orientates us to an ultimate goal or um, end. It's a word telos. And the, the thing is, we were made for that. Being human is being goal-driven in a sense. I mean, we weren't made just to exist and not do anything and not, in that sense, build and achieve and create. We were made to have those desires of improving things, of seeing that happen. That's part of, of how God made us. And our idea of a good life now, telos in that sense is we've been made to desire and seek a kingdom, a good life. The thing is, what is our definition of a good life? That's what we're after. See, all of us are seeking a good life in one way or another. It's just our definitions might differ. One person might think, um, I mean, this, I'm not even going to try and mention things, but there's different pictures uh, of a good life that we might have. 
in our hearts and that we are pursuing. Alice prayed on Tuesday. If you haven't been at intercession, you should definitely come. And if you must prepare a sermon, then you definitely, definitely must come because that's just where you can get uh, everything. But uh, apart from that, Alice had this picture while praying about God giving us gifts. Um, it's like she, I think I'm going to try and word her words, but she said it's like getting a Christmas gift, but that awkward moment of not it standing there, not opening it. And I've had that picture to an extent as well a lot of the times, is that God is giving us these gifts, but we're not opening it. And it would make sense if someone gives you a gift and you think, why, what am I going to use this for? Why, how is this applicable? I mean, you don't want to thank the giver, so you say thank you, but you don't open it up or use it. Because, I mean, it's nice, but what are you going to use it for type of thing? But many times our hearts are already filled with desires that's contradicting to what God is giving us, um, calling us to walk in, and we don't understand why is He giving us these gifts. Even it's, it's available, but we, we don't take it for ourselves. Um, so if we go to the next, it's just a picture of kingdom. And our, as humans, we work a lot with our imagination. In our imagination, we can see the future, and those questions we asked earlier, you had to imagine how things can be and you probably could pull on your unconscious to um, fill what is that future looking like for you and we were made to seek a kingdom to, to seek the good life but not in the good life as a definition for what we're seeking and that's what drives us that's our GPS so whether you know it or not, that's the thing that's going to make the decisions for you. When you get to that fork in the road, you're unconsciously going to go back to what is the good life for you. And according to that, you're going to make decisions. Now, Matthew brought the words earlier about that Christ is the only one we can worship. But many times we, in our heads, we know Christ is King. We know we want to worship Him and we know we want to see His kingdom come. But in our hearts, that's not the reality. In our hearts, we want different things and we'll probably make decisions based on that and not on what our head says. Um, as one preacher speaks about, the distance between the head and the heart is the longest. And sometimes, I mean, we don't make this, our, our gut feel is our hearts. Um, yeah. If we go to the next, it's just another picture of showing that that which is happening in our hearts is from where we move. So we pour into, from our hearts is where we exert energy from. Um, making decisions, pursuing those kingdoms or that idea of a good life that we have. We go to the next slide. Okay, maybe just pause before we do that one. And, and we need to switch on the sound as well. Um, so I want to actually, maybe some of you have seen this video, but just to, to think, what is that good life that you're chasing, chasing after to an extent, or that you have in the back of your mind, to try and bring to awareness. This is not a, a sermon to say we shouldn't be following things that's not God's kingdom, so follow God's kingdom. We know that, but I think we need to become aware of 
what is that we know we want to see God's kingdom, but what is actually in our hearts? What do we what are we really pursuing? I don't know if that video is ready. Imagine this rope. Okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. Right. You see this red part? This would represent your time on earth. You've got a few short years here on earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about, you're consumed with this. Oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm gonna work hard, save, 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 so I can really enjoy this part right here. You're consumed with that. You're thinking, oh man, am I gonna get to travel? Am I gonna eat well? Am I gonna do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about all this stuff? It's just it's crazy to me because because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm gonna exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible? Enjoying myself as much as I can. Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. So I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face Him, and I don't get this chance over again. We have one chance of this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this, and then comes eternity. And you see, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid, because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid, because that's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I look at the way people live, and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going to do that right now, just to enjoy right now. Not even knowing if you have tomorrow, and you think that's smart and that I am wrong? Yeah, so that really makes us think just in light of eternity. Um, but I'm not going to go too deep in terms of our lives now in light of eternity, although that's something that we can still stand still on right now but i think what i want to bring home is what we're spending our time on is important and it's positioning us in a direction um we go to the next slide so you are what you love and we said that our, our heart is the existential existential chamber um, of our lives. That's where our lives are and we pursue basically what we love. If we go to the next slide, it speaks in Philippians 1 verse 9 to 11. It says, It is my prayer, Paul praying, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may prove what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Be full to the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. If we go to the first uh, part of the scripture again, 
I mean, one can read that and, and think, cool, it's, it focuses on the knowledge and discernment. But if we read that, it says, my prayer is that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. And we are what we love in the end of the day. We are not what we think um, only. I mean, there's a big part of our mind needs to be renewed. But sometimes in our Western culture, we start thinking of renewal of a mind as information. So how can I get more information? Because more information is going to give me that breakthrough that I need. And we can read lots of books, but it doesn't always translate that way. Renewing of a mind needs to be experiential as well. If you want to learn how to pray for someone you can read all the theory but when you're really gonna have your mind renewed is if you pray for people and they get healed then something is going to click in your mind and your mind is really going to be renewed and you know then you're going to know how this works um, but before then you can read a number of books on it but it's not going to necessarily finish the process of renewing of your mind and it's the same with with this as well um, if we go to the, the next slide. So fine-tuning the directions of our love. Because we said our love is almost like our GPS. It's our heart that leads us. And there's a gap between what we know we need to do and what we do. And that it's our loves that orientate us to that ultimate end or goals. And I think that's an important word, is the ultimate end. What is the ultimate end that you're striving or living for? And we're going to touch on it hopefully later as well. But just give you this amazing sermon about striving. Sometimes we can see it in a negative light. But generally, we're a group of very well-accomplished people. A lot of us have studied for years. If you're climbing the corporate ladder in different ways, we know how to set goals. We know how to get things done that we want to get done. We're not foreign to that. If we have a goal, whether it's athletic or career, we tend to get what we put our, set our eyes on. So it's not a foreign thing for us to be goal-driven in that sense. We know that. The thing is just, what is the ultimate end that we're striving for and our idea of a good life? Proverbs 4 verse 23 speaks to that, well, being a, ch a chamber of that. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. The NLT says, guard your heart above all things, for it determines the course of your life. And then just for good measure, I've added the TPT. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. For from there flows the well springs of life. Sometimes we want to go through life just intellectually. I mean, that's one of my biggest, biggest things. I like to think things through, intellectually engage things. But the reality is that's not what's going to get us through life. It's the condition of our hearts and what we're pursuing in that. Um, if we, we go on to that next picture. So I want to ask you, what is that kingdom that you're chasing? What is that ultimate end? We, we listed a few things earlier and we asked the question, but that's going to be almost a make or break. Where are you heading towards? 
See, it's a business Afrikaans saying, saying, after all, se kom ook in die krap. It means um, even the slow ones eventually get there. So it doesn't matter how fast you go, but the big thing is you need to reach your end destination. And what is that end destination? Are you running fast? The thing is in our competitive lifestyles, we tend to look at what are those around us doing and we um, compare ourselves with them. We stop looking at what God says about our lives and we, we look at what does others do and am I measuring up and what should I do to measure up? And we start living other dreams that's not God's dreams for our lives. And we are, our focus can shift from being um, focused on, on God and His kingdom and plans for our lives to, to other things which drives us. And that starts tugging at our hearts and uh, taking our, uh, our heart's desires then pivots to that. Matthew 13, 44 says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field which a man found covered up and in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field see that's not only true of the kingdom of heaven that's true of all kingdoms see we need to give everything to to partake in a, in a kingdom in that sense it, it it's not what you, it's not if you worship it's what you worship See, all of us are worshipping something. It's not um, that you want to worship more. When we say that, we tend to refer to the practice of putting on worship music or, or whatever the case be. But the thing is, we're worshipping already. What you, what you worship is what you love. And what are you sacrificing for in your life? What is that which you are worshipping? And in this verse, it tells us that for the kingdom of heaven, we have to go and buy and we sell everything for in, in, at, out of that place of joy of realizing the good news that we've been speaking of. We sell everything and we buy that field. It's worth that to, to lay our life down completely and to, to follow Christ in that. See, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it end, its end is death. Matthew 16.25 says, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In context of a bigger verse, verse 24 says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The last part is quite scary, but just going back to verse 24, uh, 25. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What does it help we sacrifice for all those good ideals, those good life things that, again, is not wrong, but what does it help we give everything up for that, but in that process we lose our soul? Um, and we see in verse 28 it says that there are many standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in this kingdom. So you might leverage your life here on earth and not experience suffering, but there's going to be a time when then you're going to 
experience eternal suffering. So what do we do? What's our options from that? General thing, and this is always the case, Acts 3 verse 19. Repent therefore, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We need to turn back from these things. We need to repent it. Once it comes to our awareness, we need to bring it to God and repent of it. And that's starting the process, just verbally repenting of that to God is starting the process of that. And like it says, times times of refreshing may come to you. And then a summary for this part is Proverbs 3 verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And what is evil? Is stealing from God. How do we steal from God? See, God created us for His purposes. And by using our lives for our own purposes, we're stealing from Him. So we shouldn't be wise and try and um, work around God's plans. But just let's just repent, surrender to Him. The good life is in Him. If we go to the, the next slide, I try to draw a picture. So sometimes we can be the small circle and we're like, okay, I get. We're on a continual place of repenting and turning to God. That's part of something that we're going to probably do till eternity. And then there's God's will, that place where we want to be. So how do we get there? We go to the next slide. So how do we, we get to that place? And just an interesting thing, many African countries that are very Christian are also those that are sometimes the most corrupt, that have the most family violence in them. Why is that? I mean, if they proclaim they're Christian, why don't we get this right? And the thing is, sometimes we still live secular lives, although we believe in our minds, we're Christian in our minds. I want us to do a quick discussion about something. The third question, we can just go to that slide, is what are your daily, weekly habits and routine? 30 seconds each. Just discuss, just a general layout of your day or week, how that looks. When you wake up, you do this and this, then you go to work, then evening. How does that look for you? Quickly discuss it with the person next to you.
then the next question is which desires or ultimate aims do these habits or routine address? So what do they point to? Why are you doing this? What's the driving force behind you doing this? Recently, 
I moved from saying to myself, I need to run at least three times a week to saying, okay, I'm just going to run as much as I want. And I realized that it's actually easier for me to run more than to stick to a limit of three times. Um, and I think why am I saying that? It's just because it's practical way of saying how are we going to apply the kingdom of our lives in our lives? How are we going to get those habits and routines, if we go to that slide, to a place where it forms our, our hearts? Because habits have, has a formative effect on our desires and our hearts. See, if, if we're consumed with consumerism the whole time, after a while, the desires of our hearts are going to be deformed and we're going to run after consumeristic things. Um, after a while, you're, and in the beginning it was hard for me to run, it was a grudge every time I had to go, but now I look forward to that. But in no time did I, in that sense, go, went and Okay, I did some reading, but I didn't focus a lot on renewing my mind. It's like I have to love running, love running in that. Habits formed the desires of my heart in terms of that over time. And in the same way, if we say we want to follow God, we want to follow Christ, we can't hope that someday the Holy Spirit is just going to come over us, change us completely, and then we're going to walk out instant, boom, fire everywhere. We need to submit ourselves to the principles in the Bible, allow those things to change us, create habits that form our hearts. So habits speaks to second nature. We say it's second nature. The first time you started driving, it, you had to think through everything. It was quite stressful because everything was in your conscious, not in your subconscious. It wasn't second nature to drive, but now you can drive. You don't have to you can speak to someone, listen to music, because it has become second nature to drive, go around the circle, all of that. And in the same way, we can practice these things so that it becomes second nature, walking in the will of God in that sense. So it's bringing some of those unconscious thoughts into our conscious so that we can address it. Those um, good life ideas that we had that we spoke of in the beginning is it aligned is it where we want to end it if not bring it in your conscious thinking align it with the word of god get habits in place we spoke about habits now what habits do you have i mean if you have to train hard for a marathon you're going to wake up early and do it and in the same way if you want to to seek the kingdom of god first you need to wake up early and do it make it happen i mean we're a bunch of Achievers here in a, in a big sense, and I mean we've achieved a lot amongst us, so we can make it happen. You have the self-control to do it, and just our heart needs to be aligned. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, "The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it?" But the heart is a control room as well. So we need to create habits that form the desires of our heart. Next slide says you play as you practice if you don't practice don't expect on game day to pitch up and bring your own game it's not going to happen so if we put that in other words as you practice you play so in our setting what is practice practice is those the routine that you have every day in seeking god reading the word reading the bible 
if you want to, if you practice, storm comes, you can play the game because it's not new to you. But if the first time you need to play, you haven't practiced, then unfortunately the results aren't going to be favorable. If we go to the next slide. So love is like the autopilot orientating us without us thinking about it. So if we ensure that worked with habits to, to refine our loves, then after a while it's going to become second nature in that sense to, to follow God. And it's not going to essentially be that big thing the whole time when we, we, we need to think of where we go. That GPS is set. You just follow it. You don't have to second guess the GPS the whole time. Is it on the right route? And we said renewing the mind is experiential. It's not only theory. You can't just read it. You have to apply it. If you read the word, you need to think, what are you going to do about it? If you just read it and talk about it, that's the beginning of it. But it's not renewing your mind. If you think about praying for someone, you need to actually go and pray for someone. Then your mind is renewed because you have revelational knowledge comes through application, not only through, through reading. And the importance of liturgy and routines, um, we said that's formative, and our time is um, up in terms of talking about that. So, last, if we go counting the cost, if you were to be persecuted for being a Christian, would they find evidence against you to lock you up? If they look at your time sheets, your bank statements, would they go? Same habit, same routine as any other person out there. This is not a Christian, don't worry, you don't have to put him up. Or are they going to say, uh, this aligns with the word, we need to lock this guy or person up? How is your habits and your routines reflecting you following God? So, give this slide of last week or two weeks ago, and if it's on there, don't start one. Um, or you can just go to the next one. But he just said, so don't strive for justification in God's favor, gaining this life and happiness, but strive for holiness, salvation of the world, and what we are commanded for. And we said, just like an athlete, we sometimes think of striving as a negative thing, but we all know if you have to work hard or as an athlete reach that goal, you need to climb in and get it done. And last, very quickly, Cultivating virtues, Galatians 5.22 speaks of that. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. What habits do you have in place to cultivate that? See, because it's fruit. It's something that needs to be cultivated. If we go to the next picture, just a picture of a, Rus a Russian garden. You can see that guy self-sustained through his garden. But there's a lot of work that goes in cultivating fruit. Sometimes we want the fruit of our Holy Spirit just to manifest without us cultivating it. And then we go to the next one. Just again, those liturgies, um, rhythms and habits in our lives that cultivate those desires because it forms the desires of our hearts. We know the saying, you are what you repeatedly do. Um, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, we become what we behold. How are you putting yourself in a place so that you get conformed to the word of God in that sense? And James 2 just speaks about without, if someone says he has faith but not works, his faith is dead. 
So we can't only have it intellectually and say that's our faith, but we don't have the works and our lives don't conform to that. So it's basically a show and tell. Practically, what some next steps you can take, the idea is doing that um, discipleship program, and many of you have seen this page. These are some rhythms, habits that you can form in terms of growing in prayer, the word, rest, fellowship, and witnessing. How is that being applied in your life and part of your life in terms of growing in the fruit of the Spirit, cultivating that? And maybe the last one or two thoughts is see it as an experiment. We don't have to get it right the first time the whole time. You're free to fail the whole time, but keep on going at it. It's an experiment of trying something new, seeing what works for you, and then going back to the Word and adjusting it until you, until you get it right. So with that, we'll, we'll close just with the last thought that I want to leave with you. What are some of the changes that you need to apply in your life? And maybe we can discuss that quickly in closing. What are some of the things that you felt came up that you feel? And then also, number six is, who's going to keep you accountable for that? Are you going to ensure that that which maybe has been revealed to you today is not going to be something you remember in a year's time, but actually action on it. But let's take 30 seconds for that each and just share what are some of those things.
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, Father, we thank you just for your goodness. We thank you just for your faithfulness, Father. It's been just a blessing over everyone here, Father. Thank you just, you are just that you are the God of hope, Jesus. You are the one that you have predestined us to become, to be, to be conformed to the image of your Son, Father. We thank you just for that place of hope, Father. We thank you, Jesus, that we just can come surrender to you. Thank you just for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think we're gonna sing a just sing a song, and if anyone wants to pray, um, also if some of the elders would be in front to to pray together, but uh, then we need to go. You can. Uh, so let's let's worship for both of them.